Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me today, Neil Manthorpe, looking back at England against Australia, New Zealand against Pakistan, and very much looking forward to uh, the big match of the weekend, South Africa against India. You're listening to Following On. So if you're listening, you no doubt know that uh, England have lost. They've lost again. Um, They are effectively out. They're technically out. They're everything out of the 2023, the 2023 World Cup. Australia winning the game, doing so comfortably in the end. Uh, Good fielding, decent fielding, uh, very good fielding by England. Good bowling. Uh, Australia bowled out inside the 50 for 286. uh, With Minus Labuschagne top scoring, 40s for Smith and Green. And uh, four wickets to Chris Wokes. David Willey bowled beautifully well. One for 48. There was a couple of wickets in there for Rashid and also Mark Wood, who was unfortunate. Uh, but when England came out to bat, they lost a wicket first ball. I mean, they, they caught down the leg side, Johnny Bairstow. And that, and you just knew, you knew. Uh, there was a, a partnership, 84 and 18 overs between Milan and, and Stokes. Uh, Butler went really, really cheaply again. Uh, Moeen Ali, though, once he was dismissed, 186 for seven. Uh, it became mission impossible. So it proved. So Australia will finish in the top four and uh, England will do well to finish in the top eight. Story of the day. Well, man, it's good to see you uh, from your uh, plush surroundings uh, in uh, India. Um, let's start with perhaps, well, no, no, perhaps, with the most surprising result of the day. And that is that New Zealand somehow managed to lose despite scoring over 400. I mean, that is incredible in itself. I know, only the third time it's happened as well in uh, in one-day internationals. Um, it was rain-affected. We do have to, to bear that in mind. And I know that uh, the Black Cats will feel particularly um, disappointed, not just by the result, but by the fact that um, that they weren't able to defend the full 400. But it's, uh, I mean, it's a classic Pakistan story, isn't it? You know, Mickey Arthur was joking. He's the director of Pakistan cricket. He was laughing about... Um, about the fact that they that that they have this history of um, making dreadful starts to World Cups, um, and that uh, no, most notably in 1992 when they won the thing, um, having lost more games than they'd won in the in the first uh, in the group stages. So um, amazing! Look, they've still got work to do, John. They're still um, quite a bit behind on net run rate, and you know what a shamozzle that a tournament of this length uh, is 
so so seriously affected by a net run rate. Um, I'm I'm quite distressed about that. You know, a couple of massive wins, one huge loss, and suddenly um, the games that you've won or lost, the actual results don't seem to matter that much. But well done to Pakistan and particularly to Fakhar Zaman, um, who who's just played, you know, one of those innings that only he can. Um, New Zealand will be gutted, I'm sure, but they still have the fate in their own hands, provided they win their last game and win it well. I mean, we'll talk about England and Australia in a second, but the last thing England wanted with uh, Champions Trophy qualifications still very much on their minds is a Pakistan team desperate for points. And that, of course, is now probably how it's going to end up because England play Pakistan, don't they? And I can't see the way how England can bounce back. I didn't think they could against Australia, even when uh, they produced a really good disciplined bowling performance. And yeah, I mean, uh, Pakistan have got the the scent of semi-finals in their nostrils now. And I suspect, I mean, look, we all said beforehand that that they were probably the most well-balanced team in the tournament with the most options. They go into every game with seven bowling options and, and bat down to at least eight, if not nine. Um, so so if, if they can do it, if they can nip into fourth place, then... I tell you what, <laughs> how about that prospect of the India-Pakistan final again? <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. And see, I've often said that it's not how a tournament starts or how it, you know, continues. In terms of the perception, it's all about the end. That's why we look back at 2019 with such fondness from an English perspective. Um, but essentially, if this World Cup ends up with, say, Pakistan finishing fourth, they play India in a semi-final, or Afghanistan, of course, pipped them to it. What a story that would be. South Africa, if they win on Sunday, they finish top. India, Australia in the semi-final. Actually, the narrative is still to be written. Yeah, exactly. And we'd all sort of written it off um, 10 days ago, and it looked uh, it looked like a foregone conclusion with the top four teams having pulled well clear. But that's just not the case um, anymore. And we haven't mentioned Afghanistan, John. Um, they've got. I know they've got Australia and South Africa in their last two games, but they may possibly just need to win one of those games. And you know, if um, the pitch turns, they've got that four-pronged spin attack. <laughs> you you can never ever write off another Afghan fairy tale story. And I can see it happening. Honestly, I can. What if South Africa have qualified and they play that last game in Ahmedabad? And uh, and they're a bit footloose and fancy free, um, and Afghanistan need to win, and do win. They could they it could be Afghanistan pipping Pakistan to the semi final place. Of course, for Afghanistan to have made it, um, England really would have should have done them a favour by beating Australia today. And once again, you know the bowling was decent, captaincy defensive and less impressive the fielding was good I thought Australia were fortunate when they batted but there was no fortune about the way they bowled and it was you know once again it was a very timid uh, defensive display by England who, who just looked beaten you know is it possible to look beaten before Johnny Besto was out first ball well um, no probably not I mean you know I, I thought that, that there was no way to come back from the overall batting performances 
Um, but but the criticism of, of Joss Butler, I think, needs to be tempered with some certain sense of reality. Yes, he is conservative, and yes, he's not um, as bold and creative and as imaginative and as attacking, certainly, as Owen Morgan was as a captain. But I think we need to remember that Morgan captained a side that, for the majority of his tenure as leader, was winning. And and so there were certain moments when you thought... Wasn't, wasn't that kind of down to Morgan? Well, yes, but but what I'm saying is it's still easier to be bold, brave and imaginative and to take risks when you have a winning record. Um, And Josh Butler's team has been struggling so appallingly and so desperately. And and now they've suddenly, you know, they discovered halfway through about this qualification for the Champions Trophy. um, And suddenly, you know, it's not just about playing for pride. It's about playing for a place in a tournament um, a global tournament um, in two years' time. So I, there were times, weren't there? I mean, you know, you and I were were discussing, uh, exchanging messages as we thought, oh, no, don't do that. That's conservative. No, leave him on. Bowl him for another over. Bring him a no. No, 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 no. He'll take a wicket. Um, and he always seemed to go for the conservative option. And I don't think he's alone as, a, as an international captain in doing that. When your team's down and out, you know, then then you sort of feel, uh, well, what are people going to say if I make a bold play now? And um, and and so he opted for the conservative route. Uh, and and as you have told me on several occasions previously, it's not the first time. Uh, are there any glimmers? Are there any glimmers, manners? I mean, look, there was a lot of raised eyebrows again when. England went with the same team that had lost so many games. I, I, you know, I can kind of understand it. You know, if if there was no such thing as Champions Trophy qualification, I think that we would be seeing Harry Brook and we would be seeing Sam Curran and Gus, Gus Atkinson and Bryden Cast because, of course, there's nothing to there's nothing to lose, is there? But um, you know, Stokes today batted well. He'd be fuming with his dismissal, I imagine. But essentially, you can kind of see the method in the madness. This is they they think this is the best eleven. So they're going to keep going with them. And, you know, we've still got England, still got two games to finish eighth. And who would have thought that it would be a must-win game against Netherlands this late in the contest? But it but it is again. Then against Pakistan. But, I mean, it's uh, it's slim pickings, really, isn't it? It is. Um, and I think that on a bigger picture, um, actually on a smaller picture, wouldn't it be ironic if the Netherlands, who conceded 499 in a one-day international um, that we commentated on on TalkSport 2, uh, would come back and put England under pressure. But on a bigger picture, I was um, quite shocked by the 29-man central contract Mm. list. Uh, And I just thought, you know, over and over again, we see England cricket in whatever format, test or ODIs, plunge into crisis, rebuild, hold a a commission of inquiry, um, come up with a committee and then rebuild and refresh and burst back into life only to crash again a couple of years later. And I just think that that's exactly what's happening now with English cricket. You know, they're, they're sort of, I mean, much as everybody loves Mayan Ali and Adil Rashid and, and, uh, and uh, I don't know, David Miller, and they're all 36, you know, and to offer them central contracts, um, and by the way, David Willey has every right to uh, retire um, in a hissy fit. 
because um, you know he's a sprightly thirty-three and 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 is still in England's first choice eleven. So it's it's a long-term objective, John. Do you, do you not agree? I mean, you've been following English cricket for as long as I have. It, it's it's a constant crisis, rebuild, win, crisis, crash. Um, and I I really do think that um, perhaps Josh Butler might be the right man to lead them short term. Um, in the, for the next uh, year or so, just so you don't have a complete sweep out. But um, I, I I was concerned about that central contract list. Lots of players um, who have been great uh, for the last four or five years being rewarded for being great in the past rather than looking to the future. One thing I say about Joss is towards the end of his test career, he didn't look like he was enjoying himself. And and he's, you know, England have struggled here, but it just doesn't feel like he enjoys his cricket. And I think what will be important for Joss is to spend the last few years of his career enjoying it, enjoying himself, whether that is as England captain, England batter, wicketkeeper. Um, that, that's, that's the most important thing because it's too short career and it just makes no, make, makes no difference, uh, makes, makes no sense. One thing I spoke to my brother earlier, actually, and he was saying, in a weird way, it's actually better to be following the England cricket team like this. He said, what's better? You win a couple of tournaments and then you stink one out or you kind of finish in semi-finals. There's a consistency there, but you never have the peaks. England needs, you need to have the peaks to win tournaments. There's your great side, like the Australian one at the turn of the century. And this has been an England great side at times. We've spoken before about the misfortune that there weren't more ICC events during their real golden period. But when you look at the landscape, you look at the players coming through, they'll come again. There's there's bags of players out there ready. Um, so it, it's just important that they have to go back to really the basics and actually lean on what's happened in the test team. You've got to enjoy yourself. If you're not enjoying yourself, then just, just give it up. There's no point. Yeah, but they need to be incentivized and, and make sure that they still want to play for England. And, um, you know, after a tournament like this, which really has been stunk out by England, <laughs> you're just sort of slightly concerned about the next generation of, uh, of, of players like, you know, is Will Jack suddenly thinking, uh, I'm not quite sure whether... I think, uh, I think Will Jacks is thinking, get me in that side. This is a great time to come into that side now. Possibly should have been in the, in the World Cup 15, and if it had been a World Cup 17, imagine he would have played. Uh, quick word on Australia, uh, as painful as it is to watch them celebrating, you know, they've just got stronger as the tournament has progressed. They shock off the um, fact that Mitch Marsh and uh, Glenn Maxwell couldn't play in this this game. Travis Head, of course, didn't play at the start. They, they're, they're a very strong outfit, and um, nobody's going to want to play them in the semifinals. No, and they've got Sean Abbott, who hasn't got a game yet. Um, you know, Mitch Marsh, um, sadly, has, has paid his final respects to his grandfather and is uh, now on his way back. So they'll be sort of pretty much back to full strength. Um, and they are. You know, success, individual success and team success is so infectious. Uh, and we've seen that. Australia got belted in their first two games in this tournament. I mean, they got thrashed by South Africa in their second game. And they looked... They looked disjointed. It looked like a haphazard team. 
Um, and then suddenly a couple of individuals, David Warner uh, springs into life, scores 100, and then said, you know, that that belief and that infectious, infectious uh, confidence just spreads through the team. And it works the other way, John. And I just think that's exactly what we've seen with this England team as well. Now, Johnny Bairstow has not suddenly become a, a, a poor player overnight. Joe Root's one of the all-time greats. Um, and I think Josh Butler is still capable of, of great things. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether Mo and Ali's got much much time left in the England team. Liam Livingston is not as poor a player as his batting record in this tournament suggests. They've not become a terrible team. I think the focus over the last 18 months, two years, has been, from the ECB point of view, uh, has been on the test side. I think they've taken their eye off the 50-over game. Um, and I think that once they try and refocus on that, um, then, you know, we'll, we'll see another rebirthing of England's success in the white ball game. But for now, it stinks. What is going to happen tomorrow? Well, the big match of the weekend doesn't involve Australia, doesn't involve England, doesn't involve Pakistan, and doesn't involve in New Zealand, unless you're from those four countries. And even if you are, it still isn't. It's uh, India against South Africa. Of course, both teams almost guaranteed. In fact, I think both are actually guaranteed to get through to the semifinals. Uh, the chances are they will not face each other in the semifinals. Now, it's um, a massive match for many, many reasons. But it's also going to be an intriguing one because, of course, both teams come into it in rich form. South Africa have lost just the one match to Netherlands. India have uh, won everything. And boy, if they look good as well. And uh, they've been speaking. Of course, they have. Temba Bavuma uh, has been speaking ahead of the match, the South Africa skipper, as has uh, Rohit Sharma. Let's hear from Temba Bavuma first, actually, because one of the kind of elephants in the room surrounds him. Uh, when doesn't it? Uh, and his form. He uh, missed one match, almost a couple of matches because of uh, illness. And uh, Einrich Klaassen came in and was astonishingly good. And of course, uh, Bavuma hasn't quite hit the heights that we've seen from the other batters within the top six or seven. So uh, let's hear what he had to say about that. Yeah, you always want to be making contributions. Um, like you said, the other batters are smashing it at the moment. Um, I think I take comfort in the fact that I've been involved in some partnerships with Kuni up front. Um, obviously, you want to you wanna extend it. Um, I guess from my side, maybe it's just one of those patches again where you're kind of scratching. Um, but I think you've got to keep that belief um, that the opportunity will be there for me to make a big play within the team. Um, and I think that's where my head is at. But a lot of comfort in the fact that, you know, we've been getting starts in that first 10 overs. Um, and obviously, with the guys being informed, they've been able to exploit that. And and play the way that they've played. Yeah, take a lot of confidence from that. Um, that's something that I that I feel every day within the team. When it isn't the microscope on Temper Bavumare manners for a variety of reasons, uh, whether it's uh, in a test game or the uh, the white ball format. Um, but right, I mean, where do you stand with him? I mean, if you take the captaincy away, does he play in this T Twenty side? Do you, what, not take 20, sorry, ODI side. Um, is he uh, is he the future for today and tomorrow? I mean, what, what's the feeling within the, the travelling press corps and also that back home? Well, yeah, the spotlight has been on him a lot. Uh, but, you know, the fact is that this year he's averaging 57 
in ODI cricket, which is more than anyone else in the South African team, um, at a strike rate of 93. And you take those numbers all the time for an opening batsman. Uh, he did also make mention in the press conference there um, about the fact that um, he, he might be making 20s and 30s, but he's putting on hundreds with uh, Quinton de Kock. He's getting through the power play. They're not losing early wickets. Um, and he's striking the ball beautifully. You know, the irony about all those runs they made against New Zealand, 357 of them, is that I think he shot. So he he, he struck the, the shot of the innings, a six over extra cover against um, Matt Henry. And he is playing really well and he's massively respected. I mean, that's one thing that he does have is the absolute respect of his teammates. So, do you know, John, I mean, it, he... he not so long ago, um, about a year ago, he scored one of the great South African ODI hundreds against England in Bloemfontein, a series that South Africa had to win to qualify for this World Cup. They had to beat England, the defending champions. Remember that a year ago, everybody thought England were absolutely brilliant. Um, it's only recently that um, that view's changed. Uh, so he's a quality, quality cricketer um, and um, form is temporary and uh, and class is permanent and i honestly i think he's a he's a really good captain on the field he's proactive he, he uses the expertise amongst his senior players um he doesn't captain by committee i mean he takes charge he's excellent in the field and as i said he's averaging 57 this year so frankly um i think that there's um you know that <laughs> there's a, a biased and prejudiced view um that uh, he's not worth a place in the top 6 given the power of uh, the rest of uh, the the top 6 in south in the south african team but you need someone um with a bit of variety and he provides it yeah absolutely and actually he was the aggressor wasn't he in that match against uh, new zealand he was actually outscoring quinton de Kock for the first part of the innings it was quinton de Kock that hit the century but bavuma was the, t the player that got the team off to a to a good start um the there's another elephant in the room it's the c word and it was quite amusing to me at least um that uh, temba bavuma was asked about the choke word. Let's hear, let's hear the question from the, uh, the local uh, journalist and also his answer. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Have you talked about not to choke in this uh, important match? Because always they're called, and this strong batting must have wiped away that uh, tag to a certain extent. To choke, um, I don't know how to answer that. I think if, if we come unstuck tomorrow, I don't think it will be a matter of choking. Um, I doubt you would say that about India as well. If they come unstuck, if they will choke, um, you've got two teams who are in form, um, who are coming up against each other, and I think it's just a matter of who breaks first and who's able to, to I guess, exploit, exploit that moment or that weakness. Um, we understand that there will be pressure moments within the World Cup, uh, moments that we've, over, we've overcome to get to, to this point, and there will still be more. Um, we'll deal with them as, as best as we can. But yeah, I, I haven't heard that word come up as of yet in the change Well, I'm not sure losing to India will you know, represent a choke, unless, of course, it's the last. They, they need five to win from the last over with two set batters and seven wickets in hand, and somehow they lose. But essentially, it's just never going to go away, is it? Uh, never going to go away. And it's unfair. I mean, do we say that New Zealand choked in the last two uh, World Cups? I think they did choke a little bit, actually, in 2015. But that's just where we are in the world. That's never going to change until, of course, South Africa win it. Yeah, but the word will still be there. It'll say, you know, it'll, if they win the World Cup, then it'll be uh, the team that choked for 25 years before they finally won it. So <laughs> it'll always be there. And, you know, there's a couple of interesting scenarios uh, that, that South Africa face now. Um, they can go into this amazing occasion it's really frustrating me, by the way, that the South African players are, are attempting to describe it as just another game of cricket. I find that really intensely frustrating. It's a game of cricket, uh, the like of which they will never forget for the rest of their lives. 70,000 people, a sellout crowd at Eden Gardens, the spiritual home of cricket. Um, and 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 they're, they're facing an Indian team, which, as you said, is playing some magnificent cricket uh, with bat and ball. So they can go into it um, with the luxury of knowing they don't have to win it. Um, and, and and that leads to a number of possibilities. They can either go out there and play with complete and utter freedom. Um, I don't think they'll change their attitude during the power play. I think they'll still try and preserve wickets and keep wickets intact. But they can listen to the noise, watch the crowd, participate and feel the energy um, without having to worry about the result. And... If that means that they go out there and play with complete and utter freedom, get bowled out for 180, people will say they choked. Um, and there's another really interesting scenario. We'll talk about this maybe as the you know as the, the group games come to an end. But there is a possibility, John, that if, if Afghanistan somehow managed to upset Australia in their penultimate game, and they're facing South Africa in the last game, and South Africa have already qualified for the semi-final, again. However, South Africa play it, there will be the possibility that people would accuse them of choking. Um, you know, they, they, so you you play with complete freedom, and you it's a great wicket, and you aim for three fifty, 
and uh, you get bowled out for for two fifty. People will say you choked. It's never, as you said, it, it's never a, a definitive example. There have been times in the last twenty years, twenty five years, twenty eight years, <laughs> than when South Africa have absolutely, definitively, unarguably choked. I've been there. I've seen it, and the more honest players and coaches have admitted it. Um, but it was, there was a kind of whimsical, quizzical smile on Bavuma's face when he was asked that question this time around. It's like, what? He was trying to comprehend what, what it was that the questioner was after. I mean, how can they, I mean, the definition of a choke surely is that you, you that you are asphyxiated in a must-win situation. And the fact is, it's not a must-win situation. So, yeah, uh, I mean, as you as you said, I think people will always have a bit of fun with it. News today, Hardik Panja has been ruled out of the tournament after picking up that injury earlier on uh, in the series. After Hardik has been injured, which he has been for the last two or three games, uh, and then obviously didn't play um, a couple of the games in the Australia series as well. Uh, we have played with a, with a combination which has been uh, three fast bowlers and, and two spinners. Um, and uh, yeah, in, in our reserves, in the guys sitting outside in the 15, uh, we had a backup for the spin, we had a backup for a batting, um, and we had a backup in the, uh, in the, in the bowling all-rounder category. So uh, we did recognize that uh, if this is a combination we're going to take and if uh, there is a issue of an illness or a small niggle or an injury, uh, then uh, we need to have a backup for that. Um, it also allows us to play other combinations. It doesn't mean that we can't play other combinations. But uh, but if this is the one combination that which we have gone with recently, then, um, yeah, that was the one area which uh, we possibly hadn't backed up uh, with the injury to Hardik uh, Pandya. Hardik Pandya being ruled out. At the start of the series, you know, people really saw him as a very, playing a, a crucial role within that specialist lineup. But India seemed to have gone to strength to strength since... He had to, uh, he hobbled off. Yeah, exactly. And he was the glue that was supposed to uh, stick the two specialist units together, wasn't he? Um, you know, the, the, the specialist top six and the specialist bowlers, and he was to be the fifth bowler. But you know what? I don't think Ravi Jadeja is uh, the worst man at doing that job. I think he does it absolutely brilliantly. And you look at Australia's team that won back-to-back World Cups in 03 and 07, they were teams of specialists. And if your specialists are really, really good, then you don't need the kind of glue between them. You, you know, you, you, a one all-rounder is fine or, or a couple of bowlers who bat a bit if the specialists are as good as Warren and McGrath and Adam Gilchrist and, and Matthew Hayden and Ricky Ponting. You know, you're really, really good units. And that's what India seemed to have at the moment. Is that question still being asked about South Africa? I mean, they're quite similar in a way, um, with uh, only Marco Janssen of the bowlers who can bat a bit. So it'll be really interesting. I mean, tomorrow is the ultimate sort of old-fashioned clash in in many ways of uh, of specialist units um, and not a plethora of of all-rounders in either team. Okay, Manners. Well, thank you very much for your time today. You'll be uh, across the match uh, tomorrow uh, or today for listening to this podcast on Sunday. Um, and then that we will see where we are. But uh, a big day uh, or a big weekend for the Cricket World Cup. Some, some huge results uh, across. And, of course, we'll be covering it all throughout the week over on Talk Sport. But uh, for now, thanks for listening to Following On. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.